this is the audio class experience. Hey everybody, welcome to this new episode of the audio class experience. It's your host here, Rodrigo, and today I would like to touch a topic that I find super important. It's about receiving sound financial advice. This is something you got to be careful with. The average person is only 95% eyes and only 5% mind when they invest. The reason why most people struggle financially is because they take advice from people who are also mentally blind to money. In order to solve all our financial struggles, we need to understand the game of money. I mean, if you want to win the game of capitalism, we have to understand the rules and language, the jargon of money. Unfortunately, society is usually hardwired to think that being financially successful is only for a little group of people, uh, an elite, or for the super rich. But as you may be aware, this is a lie. I am st- I'm I myself per- I'm personally still in the learning process still in the dawn of my journey towards hopefully financial freedom so um I'm still learning how to get from more financial financially literate so I can't say much if not anything based on my experience but I mean you can use common sense that we all need to wake up and actually do something about it. Not just sit on the couch and, and blame all of our problems on on Donald Trump, you know, or the government. I think that in order to have money to come to you, you must know how to take care of it. If money isn't first in your head, it won't stick to your hands. So, how do you train your mind to be able to see money? You may not be surprised by the answer that I'm going to give you, because I already said it a lot of times, and it's financial education. Now, a lot of people are going to say that investing is risky. It is only if you have no idea what you're doing. I think that the best way to reduce risk apart from dealing with numbers and understanding risk management, is a reasonable amount of knowledge about what you're investing and also um, experience that can back that knowledge. It's very important. I mean, sure, diversification, diversifying your investments, um, not putting your eggs in one basket can help reduce risk, but you have to be careful with this because Diversification can be overrated. It is overrated, actually. Um, it depends because it depends on a few things. It depends what you're investing in. You have to really understand what 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 it is you're going to invest in, how it works, what are the patterns, what are the things that are going on in the market, what causes the different variations in in prices. You really have to know where you're going with investing and also you need to know how much money you have to invest in because it's not the same thing being able to invest a thousand euros in just a few stocks and ten thousand euros in a couple more stocks 
Also, what can happen with diversification is that one of your investments can wipe out all your gains from the total investment you made. So it can really be a sinking ship like the Titanic. So be really careful how you diversify, I think. Um, remember, when I tell you that by diversifying you reduce risk, it's not a lie. They're not telling you, the thing is that they're not really telling you the whole truth. So the riskiest thing you can do is listening to bad advice. Let me explain about this bad advice. There's going to be a time where you and I, all of us, are going to buy a house and our banker is going to tell us that our house is an asset. So I ask you, is the banker really telling the truth when he says when he or she says that it's an asset? But since most people aren't financially literate and they don't know the game of money, they often must take the opinion and advice of people they tend to trust. And many people invest or manage their money based on someone else's recommendations more than their own. If you do this, you're obviously going down the wrong path. When your banker says that your house is an asset, he's actually not lying. But they don't tell you whose asset it is. Your house is the bank's asset because you're the one paying the mortgage with the interest on top. In accounting, there's something called the double entry, which basically means that what is an asset to one is a liability to another. So, on the bank's balance sheet, your mortgage would appear in their assets section or column, whereas on your balance sheet, the mortgage would appear on the liability section. Remember that assets put money in our pocket and liabilities take money out of our pockets. What about, for example, your savings? That would be an asset to you, but that would be a liability for the bank since it costs them money to safeguard your cash, the bling bling, and sometimes they even pay you interest for depositing, depositing money in their bank. They do this so that they can build some kind of loyalty with future customers who would then ask for future loans and also charge commissions for breathing pretty much for almost anything, transactions, um, services, a lot of stuff. A lot. Also, banks don't really need much in deposits because they can do something called the fractional system of money, which is basically magnifying money like 10 times or as many times as they can. For example, if you put 1 euro in the bank, the bank is able to lend out 10 euros. And depending on how much they have to keep in the reserves according to the law or the central bank they can even uh, produce more money more than 10 euros that means that suddenly your euro in savings is converted to 10 euros worth of new loans or even more if the bank pays you anything on interest it's probably like below one percent so it's almost nothing so if you compare it with what the bank does with your one euro in savings that creates 10 additional euros, they can even charge a higher level of interest on that loan of like maybe 8 
or 9 or 10 percent so they make tons of cash on that now let me give you an example of what banks do with mortgages and how the system of interest works basically the banks charge you interest because that way they reduce the amount of risk of giving you their own money so that they may at least earn a profit along the way and once you pay off that mortgage at the end of your lifetime you would have paid you would have paid a whole pile of cash worth of interest that's why it's called mortgage which comes from the word mortir or agreement until death the, the reality is that most people will continue to work hard get pay raises buy new houses maybe in the future with new mortgages and they would go back into this vicious cycle of having to pay debt with interest on top and it's quite a nightmare to be honest I mean you can you can imagine maybe your parents when they have to pay mortgages it's it's a true burden for them having to deal with this so be careful be careful with mortgages and make sure that you know exactly how much interest you're paying see if it's worth it and otherwise find another bank find other options to try maybe even negotiate the interest if you, if you can try and make, make it lower as low as possible because it's, it's tremendous the amount of money that you have to pay in interest all right now it's the time for the round of questions from my precious followers first up we have Roberto from Spain who asks if you're good at something should you do it for free well I think that the best way of giving long-term value is by giving as much things for free as possible I mean don't don't give out everything free to the point where it's financially unsustainable but I think that if you have the opportunity to monetize something that you're good at and that you feel that actually has some sort of purpose to you and has some sort of value for this world then go ahead I mean you can monetize pay your bills pay your debts invest your money have fun I guess because if if you're really good at something it's, it's not it's it's it could be considered even easy money because it might not even be considered work for you if you're good at it you're efficient and people will come to you so I mean if you want to give out stuff for free sure give out stuff for free in fact I think you should give stuff for free without anything with any, without any expectations for anything in, in return sometimes it's better to give first and then receive all right next we have Othman from Morocco asking is luck a component of success you all right um I haven't reached a certain level of success yet so what I'm gonna say is what I've heard from other people who have achieved success 
some form of success in their life. Uh, I don't think that luck, yes, luck obviously is, is very important because it's very important to be born in the right time, in the right place. Um, certain experiences that you go through in life that make you um, change in some way and to make you have a drive towards some kind of goal that you may have. All of that is, in a way, considered luck. Think about um, Mark Zuckerberg, for example. We can consider him lucky for being born in a time where the internet is on a rise. And during the time he made Facebook, it was like the newest thing ever. He took advantage of the internet and made something that 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 everyone could have access to, which is a social network to share information about our experiences, about places we've traveled to, places we've been to, our daily activities, our what we do in our leisure. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg was probably lucky to have been born in a time like this. And that he was able to exploit his abilities and skills to scale Facebook and turn it into the biggest social network the world has ever seen. And built an empire that we don't know that we're going to see something even bigger than Facebook maybe. Who knows? And um, I guess that um, luck can be in a way activated through um, a certain amount of effort, of pain, of, of learning. And I think that, yes, at some point, there's some people who have um, gotten lucky very quickly, but others haven't. So many people have to be patient and have to wait for a long time until they actually saw... Uh, interesting or decent results I mean Warren Buffett didn't really make as much money until he was maybe mid-age more or less he had to wait for a long time until his investments were actually fruitful and that takes time I guess so maybe luck is could be I think it is a component small but Nonetheless, pretty important, I think. Now we have Tom from Germany asking, do you want to connect? Sure. Connect, reach out to me, send me DMs, send me messages, send me anything you want. We can talk, we can do SFS, we can do mentions, we can do shoutouts, we can do whatever you want. Yeah, sure, let's connect. It's always good to connect and reach out to people, especially if they're smarter than you and they can give you some form of value and and maybe makes your life a bit better in some way. I don't know. Sure, willing to connect with anyone. Well, that's it for today's ladies and gents. Thanks for tuning in to the audio class experience. Make sure that you follow me on Instagram. Twitter, TikTok, and LinkedIn. 
Make sure you follow this podcast in case you haven't. Share it. Play it again so that you can retain the concepts better. Make sure that you show it to your friends, to your family. Tell them about the podcast. Tell me what you guys think, of course. I'd love to see what you guys think. And I'll see you guys next time. Hope to have you back. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. Thanks guys for listening. Hope to see you soon. And make sure you guys subscribe. And I'll see you next time.